I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Well, it's Saturday again. These two things just keep rolling along. And proof that bribery works, it's me, Kyle Olson, back in the big chair. Didn't think it would happen, but, you know, everybody's got a price, and even Pete has his. But he wouldn't let me hit the near alone. No, sir. We have the man whose wit is even sharper than his editing skills, Ray. Uh, 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 huh? Huh? What? <laughs> there it is. Strap in, people. That's, that's, that's that rapier wit we were open for. And the handsome podcasting, wit. Tommy. Hello, that's me. That's this is my voice. Hello. Hello, gentlemen. Hi. So pleasant to be here with you on this Saturday morning. What a week it's been. Agreed. Am I right? So I, the first question I have for you is, uh, first of all, what, what have you been watching over the last week or so? What have you been consuming? And also, uh, what is your cinematic or television comfort food? 
Like when you have a stressful time and you just want to sit back and watch something that you've seen a hundred times before, what is it you throw on? Oh, good question. Ray, do you want to go first? Okay. Well, to answer your first question, what have I been watching lately um, for the month of November? Yeah, whatever, Tommy, whatever. No, I just thought it was funny. You're like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You really ran into it with so much. (laughs) Go ahead. I'm a Eeyore today. No, uh, so uh, for the month of November, I'm doing a film challenge where I'm trying to watch one film a day for the month of November that is a political drama or thriller that I have not seen before. Wow. So far, I've kept up with it, and uh, it's been really cool. As for uh, films that make me feel better when I'm in a slump, I always go to either Charlie Chaplin or Looney Tunes. Mm. Huh. Okay. Nice. What about you, Tommy? Do you have a particular Charlie Chaplin film? City Lights yeah. is my favorite. Uh, is that the one? Classic. Is that the one with that's the blind in girl? Black and white? Wait, say it again. They're all in. <laughs> <laughs> the one with the blind girl. With the blind girl. No, I was about to make a very horrible. I was about to ask, is that the one where he hangs from the clock? And then I immediately realized that was Buster Keaton. <laughs> that was Buster. No, that actually was Harold, yeah, Lloyd. Was Harold, Harold Lloyd. Lloyd. Look. Fair enough. I'm not good at this conversation. Um, I saw. I haven't seen City Lights in a long time. I really want to watch that again. Uh, my, I've been watching um, The Haunting of Bly Manor on Ooh. Netflix, which I'm very much enjoying. Not as much, if I have to be honest, as Haunting of Hill House, but I'm still finding a ton to love about it, and I love Mike Flanagan. And what was the other question? Uh, cinematic comfort food or, or television comfort food. What do you watch when you are stressed out and you just want to have a good time? The answer is probably a little alarming. One of the things that I like to watch is Zodiac, because apparently I'm a, cre- I'm a creep. But I find even though the movie is so unsettling, it's so technically perfect. Yeah. And and also it's a period piece, a recognizable period piece. So it mm. brings you sort of back into another era. So there are lately, sometimes it's not every night because yikes, watch list. But I mean, yeah. every once in a while, I will... <laughs> Uh, the version of if it's ever on, I would watch it for a while. Uh, and it's not on. I own it. I so that. I just sort of pop it in sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. It's very crisp. Yes. Yeah. I mean, very, like, you know, as opposed to like Silence of the Lambs, which is much more disturbing. Mm. Like Zodiac is very more, much more regimented and stuff, too. So you can watch it for right. performances. You watch it for style. A mystery story because the Zodiac killer, as the film yeah. kind of points out at the end, was mostly a clown. <laughs> Uh, it's really about the, how he stole the attention of the world while bumbling through yeah. some killings. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. so I really love that movie. Uh, I've been watching Fargo, so thank you, Yay! Tommy, for getting me back into Fargo. Good. I'm caught up on it, too. I've been enjoying it. And once again, Noah Hawley, I have no idea where this story of is course. going, but I am enthralled every single yeah. time because everybody's making really odd decisions and having odd conversations and it, it really just keeps you on yeah. edge because it doesn't fit into any patterns. Like I watch all the CW superhero shows and I can't really even tell one episode from another one just wasn't season from it, even though I watch them all and love yeah. them all. It's like, all right, they're gonna this bad guy they're gonna defeat, but that bad guy has to get away because I know he's gonna be in the next one. But every episode of this characters don't show up. Yeah. 
and then they do, and then they, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great. For me, uh, this week's been very, especially stressful, so I always throw on the last 45 minutes of Avengers Endgame. Oh! Right from the whole snapping all the way through, yep. man, that really just, like, it just gives me so much joy. Endgame is the one where they all show up at the end? Oh, yes. that was amazing. Yeah, so, but, yeah that part. Yeah. So basically from when the Hulk brings them all back up through, you know, Captain America and Mjolnir yeah. and yeah, all that stuff all the way through. If you... If people haven't listened to our podcast of that, you know, I'm not a huge um, superhero person, but I remember sitting in the theater and when that happened and they all started showing up through the portals and I could see that they were doing it right, I started crying, not for Mm -hmm. myself, but because I was empathetic to this must mean so much to so many people and they were doing it right yes. it was just so well done yes. that i was like god I, yeah. what a what a arc of dramatic work for something i care little to nothing about i was blown <laughs> away and i was just like i was so happy to be there as we learned in your review of hitman and the lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> we will not be reprising no. that under my guidance so uh, <laughs> no, that was very funny to hear you and they talk about that. Are they all insects? Yeah. That was very funny. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like even even if you, it's it's so well put oh. together. Like the Rus- I have some issues with the Russo brothers, but like that that sequence all the way through is like yeah. pure cinematic gold. Like I, I love it. Uh, and so let's uh, dig into what's going on in the news here. So of course we have to talk about the passing of Sean Connery. Mm. Uh, one of the great cinematic legends. Unfortunately, his last film was less than memorable. What was it? The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That was his last one. Yeah. That was his last one. I think that was basically he's like, ah, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad I'm so glad that Ocean on this show brought up the quote he had about it too, because I was like, that's one of my favorite Hollywood quotes. What was it? Oh, it was the fact that he passed on Lord of the Rings. He passed because you understand it. He passed on Matrix. You understand it? He's like, I don't oh, understand right. this one, but I don't want to take the chance of missing out again. And, and then so he I'll picked that one. Leave restrained gentlemen. It's like, eh, maybe you should have been yeah. more discerning at that point, but. But still, he leaves an amazing legacy uh, behind. I, I found it interesting that it's it's always a shame that when people die, then you get to hear these great stories. Mm. And so I, I heard two great stories about Sean Connery that I wanted to talk about. Uh, so one of them was uh, when he was working on The Rock, which is one of my favorite films. Mm. Uh, he uh, and Michael Bay, the, the Michael Bay was having problems with the Disney executives because, he, of course, Michael Bay was blowing all this stuff up, going through tons of money, and he was late on all of his things. And Disney was going to bring the hammer down. So he so. He was like, oh, I'm not looking for this meeting. And Sean Connery's like, how about I come in with you? And he's like, yeah, that'd be great. So they go and have this meeting, and Sean Connery just lays down the law with these executives. Like, I can't even use the language he used because wow. this is a PG podcast. But, like, you're going to give this guy more money. Like, you're going to, all they went, okay, how much time do you need? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so when you use star power correctly. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and the other story I heard was uh, from a, a couple of uh, filmmakers who were trying to make a movie with him that didn't happen. So two screenwriters had written a script. Oh, I can't remember the title now. It was a terrible title. But it was the story of like a, a person who had uh, escaped the concentration camp and had become a thief and found out that there was a bunch of Nazi money still in a vault in switzerland like this was modern like in the uh. 90s like modern times and wanted to break in and steal it so like this highly fortified vault and so sean connery was going to be the guy and they were developing with him and there was a certain unnamed director who people have figured out who it is maybe tommy you can figure out who this is too a hot shot uh, director who was going to do this and was on the call with the, the four of them and there was a very difficult underwater sequence and so Sean Connery was nervous about this like how are you going to do it? The guy was like it'll be great I'll do it it'll be fine it'll be super but how are you going to do it? 
movie magic, baby. And he's like, <laughs> um, okay. He's like, tell you what, I'll meet with you tomorrow. Just you and me. We don't need these screenwriters around. We can talk about it. He said, uh, uh, sure. So he came to the meeting. So at 11.15, uh, for the 11 o'clock meeting, he calls the screenwriters like, where is he? The guy just blew him off, just blew off Sean Connery Whoa. in the 90s. Like, well, something, he had uh, other things to do. And now he's uh, got me too right out of Hollywood. So I don't think we need to worry about that either. Got but the, it. the rumor, and obviously I'm not reporting this as fact, but the rumor is that it was Woody Harrelson. Rush Hour 1, 2, and 3, oh, Mr. Brett Ratner. Mr. Brett Ratner, yep. <laughs> Yeah, I hope that screenplay shows up again because that sounds like a pretty awesome movie. It does sound good, and once Ratner's out of it, fantastic. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just rewatched Red Dragon and went, "Don't do that." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you guys have any favorite Sean Connery performance or memory? I'm glad to hear those good stories because he's gone down in a little bit in Hollywood lore for being such a nightmare on the set of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That I believe that that director has not directed since and joined some sort of a commune. I'm not joking. (laughs) I believe that was Stephen Norrington. Yeah. Yeah. After after that, we have not heard much from him. Yeah. And of course, we and of course, uh, uh, not to uh, you know disperse a man's legacy, but uh, also his feelings about uh, women uh, (laughs) are something as a matter of record and uh, should not be emulated. So. But we're trying to celebrate his uh, cinematic okay. legacy, not his uh, personal life as much as we can. Got it. <laughs> the art and the artist, you know, that's always the difficult thing to separate between the two of them. So it was, uh, it was, was he your top Bond? <laughs> I'm, I'm a Roger Moore guy. Well, no, oh, I'm okay. so weird. So weird, I know. But I'm not, I really like, what's his name? Uh, Thug pun- Punchy in the Face. Yeah, I like those. <laughs> I like those Bond movies so much more than the other ones. But I was a weirdo. Like my favorite Bond movie for forever was A View to a Kill, and I'm pretty sure that okay. is not a good movie at all. <laughs> Grace Jones fishing with a knife with a butterfly. What? <laughs> Even saying things uh, makes me angry. So no, I was never as into the Bond stuff. I like him now personally. I like what they've done with the character. Uh, I mean, Bond's all right. I, um, you know, I've always loved Indiana Jones, and yeah, that, that's a very memorable oh, one. Yeah. And The Untouchables. Yeah. Oh, right. But uh, I think this is going to sound really dumb, but I think whenever I think of Sean Connery in the future, well, it's always been this way. So I will always remember uh, my first college roommate who loved to quote Sean Connery from The Rock and say, losers whine about their best. Winners go home and <laughs> the prom queen. Ah. <laughs> and that's a master editor at work. He yeah. knew he would not have to go through it as the little sound effect like we had to last week. And that was from The Untouchables? No, no that was kidding. from... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he says that as he, you know... Never mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm I remember in that movie during, well, of course you are. during that crazy car chase. He's it's just like, why do we do this? I hope you have insurance. Like, why are we? Why did we feel the need? It's just so dumb. But anything in that voice, I am the last one. Oh yeah, what was that? I am the last one. That was Dragonheart. Did he play a dragon? He played the dragon. He I, played the last. I just dragon. remember. Oh okay. And then what's the other one? You're the man now, dog. What's yes, right. Okay. Finding Forrester. Yes, all right. What a storied career. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And he will be uh, emulated and uh, yes. mocked for the rest of the time. So, rest in peace, Sean Connery. Rest in peace, Sean. Thank you. Thank you, sir. 
All right, so let's see. Uh, tell me you had a uh, new show you want to talk about, about uh, the return of Clive Barker. Yeah, Clive. I'm a real Barker head, and Clive has been out of the uh, game for, it seems like, a long time. I know he got very sick for a while, but I've loved all of his stuff. And uh, HBO is going to be developing a Hellraiser TV show oh. with the help of some really cool Ooh. people like David Gordon Green, uh, who has really gone into horror now because he's in charge of the new Halloween series. Right. Um, and I love that world. I'm fascinated by that world. And if there's something that I would like to see updated vi- visually, because the original Hellraiser Ooh. is so... Great, but so 80s, some could say. And the second Hellraiser uh, is so constrained by its own budget Mm -hmm. that giving Mm -hmm. giving some people a real new whack at the world of the Cenobites sounds fascinating to me. And so the, the fact that it's HBO, very excited. Mm, yeah, that sounds yeah. awesome. I remember Nightbreed, too. That was another one that had a lot of great ideas, but suffered from budget. Correct. Very much so. As well. So it would be, be nice to see Clive Barker's visions uh, given the, the Stephen King modern treatment, where they give him a lot of time and money. And to really get into the world. There's there's right. a world yeah. of ideas yeah. in the uh, Hellraiser series, and yet they keep restricting it. Now it's off the rails. Now it's like an anthology series, where at the end, uh, Pinhead shows up and goes, Gotcha! Because uh, we're on like Hellraiser Nine or something. Have you seen them all? Yeah. Uh, most of them. Uh, I actually got a, a the writers of Hellraiser Inferno, which was one of those anthology ones. Right. I enjoyed parts of that script so much. Uh, we got a general meeting with the writers when I was working with uh, John Woo's company, and they wrote us Ooh. a draft of something that was never to be seen again. Anyways, <laughs> I am really excited about this. I really hope this doesn't fall apart because oh, that's what I was blathering on about. There's such a world of story within that world, and yet we keep putting them in hour and a half movies to be able to mm. to be able to stretch and really get into the mythology uh, would be fantastic. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the world is ready for a Barker verse? Sure. Oh. <laughs> I don't know about like that. the dark universe. Right. Done right. Yeah. Dark Barker verse. Yeah, that does rhyme. Okay. Good. <laughs> I think it has a lot of potential. And I think David Gordon Green has shown that he has some um, good things to do as far as horror goes. Uh, Halloween was great. So I, what I remember of Clyde Barker from the, the 90s is he was one of those few people that they tried to sort of make a celebrity of. And I remember there was a TV commercial when Everville came out and it was, I'm Clive Barker. My new novel is Everville. They're like, Clive Barker's Everville. See you in Everville. <laughs> so advertising <laughs> so, okay. had just been invented? <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. yeah. It, was just like, it was a television commercial, too. Yeah. It was like him with like this mystical swirling background. Yeah. Like, it's me. <laughs> you know, I heard an interesting quote from Clive Barker one time. It was in one of the DVD extras for some horror movie. It, it might have been Halloween. I can't remember. But uh, he said, horror movies are so popular because the desire to be frightened is just as universal as the desire to be loved or something along those lines. And hmm. I thought that was an interesting quote. Because I, I mean, maybe not frightened, but I can totally see like thrilled. Maybe you yeah. know what I mean. There's catharsis to be found in that. Yeah, that's one of the reasons yeah. that horror is my favorite genre. So yeah, yeah and why it's super popular with teenagers because they think they'll never die, <laughs> and they won't. Wait, okay. <laughs> what? Oh, that that's news. 
Oh, you haven't read it? So Teenagers live forever now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I've really been out of it. So uh, and let's, let's switch genres almost entirely. Ray, you had a story about uh, a romantic comedy. Right. Uh, uh, this beautiful romantic comedy starring Ethan Hawke and his daughter Maya. Uh, they're, they're both set to star in a new comedy film, which will see Maya Hawke play a teenager who's obsessed with George Harrison and attempts to lose her virginity to him. Oh, oh that <laughs> took a turn. Oh, yeah. Wow. Right? That's, that's a dream. So okay. it's set in the 60s. So it's a Beatles-centric film. It's called Revolver, uh, which was also the name of one of their albums. And uh, it's going to be directed by one of the co-directors of Finding Nemo, Andrew Stanton. But Basic, oh, wow. Basically, it's going to follow Ethan and Maya, who are supposed to portray a father and daughter. And uh, apparently they live in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm kind of reading as I go, so that's why I'm, I, I mm-hmm. sound like a moron. Sure. <laughs> the film is set in 1966, whenever a flight to Japan carrying the Beatles is forced to make an unexpected stop at the city, which leads to Jane creating a bulletproof plan to lose her virginity to the quiet beetle. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so like... Yeah. I saw all these thoughts racing to your, your head. Like, well, part of it just feels like it's almost three good ideas. <laughs> but each of them, then it takes a turn and is like, no, yeah, let's go with George Harrison. The least interesting of the Beatles. I don't know. Yeah. Now, all right. I, I think I'm excited okay. about this more so because uh, I really like what Maya Hawke has been doing. You know, I think that she shows a lot of promise as an actress. What has she been doing? Maybe I don't, maybe that's why I'm not so familiar. For, I think I first saw her in season three of Stranger Things. Oh, she was she was oh, Robin yeah, who okay. works at the ice cream store. Oh yeah, yeah she's good. Okay, okay. She's adorable. And My apologies. She also had a very minor role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was whenever the Manson hippies are going to invade Rick Dalton's house. She's the one that absconds with the car. Oh, she's really good. Oh. I genuinely really like her. Okay, I take back all of my flabbergasted faces and i say yes let's go for it she's great so this is like american pie meets yesterday sure i like it all right well then uh since uh, i think i covered about the news so let's hop on to our trailers and ray you are up first oh no tell us about midnight sky all right so midnight sky come in ether this is barbo observatory are you receiving this Is anyone out there? This is Ether. Does any one copy? We're not receiving anything. That puts our last contact with Mission Control at three weeks. Why is it so quiet? That's Ether. It's a spaceship that we hoped would be our future. I have to warn them about the conditions on Earth. I don't know all the details. It started with a mistake. There is an antenna that's stronger than ours. We get to that antenna, they'll hear us. Take a deep breath. 
It's the next directorial outing of George Clooney. It is about, it's a post-apocalyptic movie about a scientist played by Clooney who's in the Arctic and he's racing to stop these other astronauts from returning home where there's some mysterious global catastrophe happening. So I was attracted to this because of Clooney's gorgeous beard. <laughs> but no, it, it, it's pretty epic. It looks like a really interesting. It looks like a really interesting movie. It looks like I don't think it's going to be you know spectacular or anything. I'm sure it's going to be kind of mess, something to good to pass the time with. But uh, it looks like it has a really interesting story. It's going to be a Netflix release on December 23rd. It's actually adapted from a book called Good Morning Midnight, which I've never heard of. Hmm. Either of you? I didn't either. No, no I didn't hear that either. Uh, and it stars George Clooney, Sophie Rundle, Felicity Jones, Kyle Chandler, and Ethan Peck. Kyle Chandler! My favorite. Hey. There you go. So more good reason one. for you to see it. That's all I got to say about that. I mean, what did you guys think of the trailer? I think it's really good. It was, yeah, yeah. I mean, like it, it's uh, it's got a lot of sci-fi elements, but it also has that survival thing too. So it's like a little bit the Martian, but then a little bit the road. Right. Yep. You know, it's like he's got to make it with you, but obviously not going to be less cannibals. I'm assuming. I'm also interested to see Felicity Jones again because I feel like uh, I haven't seen much of her since Rogue One. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it's underused in Hollywood. Come on, Hollywood. It looks like it might be the trailer looks like it might the film might be deceptively small at a lot of times. There's right. a lot of cutting mm-hmm. to lo, you know closed in locales. The only reason I bring that up is it is written by the person that wrote Vacancy, which is one of my favorite horror oh. movies which all takes place pretty much in a hotel room. Okay. Uh, and so I thought that that might be a good thing to bring up without having any names or proper nouns. So there you go. <laughs> I don't remember what his name is, but I know that he wrote it. All right. So Midnight Sky. All right. So, uh, Tommy, what was your trailer? My trailer is called Songbird, or as I like to call it, Who the Hell Wants This Movie Right Now? <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was halfway through that trailer, and I was like, oh, no. What are no, we doing? And I was no. like, you know what? This is probably something that, like, oh, I don't know, Michael Bay. Oh, yep, he produced oh, it. Platinum yeah, Dunes. It's is, Platinum yeah. Dunes, and I like a lot of Platinum <laughs> Dunes work, but sure. this, yeah. it's a during a pandemic lockdown caused by COVID. COVID-19, a young man must overcome martial law, murderous vigilantes, and a powerful, well-connected family to reunite with his love. So it's Purge the Love Story. Good morning, Miss Garcia. Good morning, sunshine. I miss you. I could kiss you right now. Yeah, well, someday. Curfew is now in effect. All unauthorized citizens must stay indoors. Tensions rise as we enter the 213th week of lockdown. A grim new reality emerges. COVID-23 has mutated. Beginning thermal scan. Thermal scan normal. A horrifying new development new today. New data confirms the virus attacks the brain tissue. Hey. Whoa, 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 I'm immune! I'm immune! Worldwide death toll rises to over 110 million. All infected Americans are being forced into quarantine camps. Sarah. Sarah, what's going on? Department of Sanitation. 
Sarah, talk to me. I think my neighbor has a fever. It'll be so much easier if you just open the door. Mrs. Grant, you have visitors. Sarah, please. Sarah, open that door. Sarah, Sarah do not open that door. <laughs> I don't like it. I remember going back to what uh, an article I read somewhat recently about they were asking Jason Bloom what he was working on, and he said, the one thing I'm definitely not working on, he says, every screenwriter in town is writing a pandemic story, horror, a pandemic horror movie. He says, I don't want them. He says right. he, he's making a bet that people do not want to see that in a horror thing. The love story part, that's maybe interesting. That has like the sick kids, sick kids in love. What was that movie called? <laughs> Nick Robinson, um, I think, was in it. We'll never know. But point being, <laughs> that kind of thing has a certain it's the kind Shakespeare of Shakespeare quote. I can't remember what it was. Um, out, out, damn spot, the movie, that's it. Um, <laughs> that was it, yeah. Uh, so, no, I don't understand what this movie is for. That being said, the cast is great. Uh, Craig oh, Robinson, yeah. Peter Stormare, Demi Moore, <laughs> yeah. Bradley Whitford. What's he doing in there? Yeah. Um, and it's directed by Adam Mason, who I have looked up, and he looks like he has directed Songbird. So good luck. <laughs> no, he's directed some other stuff, but nothing nothing of, at risk of being rude, nothing of note, note. Um, and so this is his big swing. So good luck. And I can't imagine i'm horror me and i can't imagine uh going out to watch this i thought this looked interesting it looks like you know how everybody's doing those reunion zoom meeting type things where you know the cast of such and such a movie is getting together this looks like that only on a bigger budget like it looks like <laughs> seriously it's just like, the movie? Like, no seriously like you brought up Bradley Whitford which by the way wouldn't it be cool if he was reprising his character from The Cabin in the Woods but <laughs> sure even even, oh, even though he died spoiler alert uh, yeah. but um it's just like you see these people and they're definitely not with other people except for a trench coat guy. And it looks like they're in their own homes and like Bradley Whitford, I think was running on the treadmill. And then you have the girl that, who's at the door looking through the peephole and whatnot. And it looks like everybody's in their own location, but it looks oh, very, I see what you mean. It's like low rent movies that Morgan Freeman shows up in where he's in one scene, <laughs> always sitting behind a, desk wearing the same suit and i'm like did you film your part in eight movies in one afternoon that i'll just show up in red box yeah go for it that's a good point Absolutely yeah, good. Yeah, I, I say ah, uh, I will pass on that one yeah. as well. It's like last thing I want to do is think more about the problems that we're having now. I think so. Movies. No, thank you. Uh, so, so mine is a is a happy romp, good time uh, called Two Weeks to Live. Dear Mom, I have to figure out who I really am. I'm sorry for leaving, but I knew that you would try to stop. Hello, darling. Dear Mom, I'm sorry for leaving again. The world is a scary place, but I can look after myself, Mom. When it comes to girls, you've always been a duck out of water. What? So completely fine then? What? Don't worry. I want you to have some fun. You have to speak to the next woman who walks in this pub, whoever they are. I thought it would be nice to come for a drink here with Dad. Oh, is he coming down? You're leaning on him. Oh God, I'm so I'm so sorry. 
Fun thought. Let's say it is the end of the world and we all have two weeks to live. What would you do? Eat donuts and try and have sex with people. All right, go on, kid. What about you? Hello, Jimmy. You killed my dad. Remember me. Uh, this is actually a, an, or a, a limited series, so I imagine this will be um, over the course of a thing and then have a definitive ending, so uh, we won't have to worry about a, a <laughs> attempt to do a season two. Apparently this was released in England uh, and did very, very well, uh, and so now we're getting it here across the pond. Uh, because you know quarantine uh, had to pass through all customs and everything so uh, Maisie <laughs> Williams is the star here she's from uh, Game of Thrones she's one of the only things to come out of Game of Thrones unscathed uh, she unfortunately has that uh, little girl disease where like she <laughs> got to a certain point and then just stopped growing up but time still passes for her so she has that Katie Holmes thing where you're like how old are you <laughs> so perpetually stuck yeah as like like, yeah, I remember there was a. I remember there was a huge Google surge when she had her first love scene in Game of Thrones. Of like, what is her age again? <laughs> <laughs> Just to make sure, but like, I want to be pervy, but right, come on. Um, but yeah, but this, I think this looks great because I do not know what the plot of it is. Uh, there's, uh, there's apocalyptic and mother, and there's assassinations, and there's action, and there's a love story, and okay, great, I'm, I'm on board. What do you guys think? It looked crazy. Yeah, it looks it looks absolutely bonkers, and I would totally give it a watch. Yeah, unlike Songbird, this looks like a combination <laughs> of things that I'm all like very interested in. Like I'm fascinated yeah. by prepping. I'm fascinated by doomsday stuff. I love yeah. road trip movies, all of that thing. So um, I think it looks like a lot of fun. I would definitely want to check it out. So that is a good reason for you to try out a free subscription to HBO Max. Hey! Max, not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> not that we would take their money, just they're not so far. Ah, shucks. And since we don't have any, uh, you know, quippy news, let's move on to the game I come up with. So, and uh, looking over our, our choices here, we, we had a pretty good one for, for our, our game at the end, but I kind of was really sad that we uh, didn't get to talk about actors doing terrible accents <laughs> so i came up with a game oh. so we are doing a <laughs> we are doing a, an elimination <laughs> to find the worst accent <laughs> so what i did <laughs> what i did here is I, okay so the my category that I, I chose essentially was that there would be a movie star so then there would be name recognition so it's not one thing you have to like dig down you know the second page of imdb or something um uh that and they and the, of course this is inspired by John Voight's appearance in Anaconda, yep. which we just covered on our thing. So he, of course, is on the list. Um, uh, so, and, and also, it's, these are actors who were attempting to do accents. So that's the thing. So I, I didn't like. So that means Kevin Costner is out for Robin Hood because he didn't even try. Right. And Sean Connery is out for Highlander because while he is Spanish, he's just doing it in this typical Welsh accent. Got so it. like, then they didn't even try. They're out too. So. Our, our 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 contestants uh, for this are Brad Pitt in The Devil's Own, Ooh. Uh, of course John Voight from Anaconda, uh, Steve Martin in The Pink Panther, Ooh. Leonardo DiCaprio from Blood Diamond, <laughs> Julia Roberts in Mary Riley, yep, uh, Don Cheadle in Ocean's Eleven, James Vanderbeek from Varsity Blues. Quentin Tarantino in Django Unchained, <laughs> Harrison Ford in K-19, The Widowmaker, and of course, you couldn't make a list like this without having him on here, Dick Van Dyke 
in Mary Poppins. There we go. So wait, we're trying. Who has the best accent or the worst accent or the mo- what is it? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what do you guys think. I was thinking. <laughs> Worst. I say worst. Well, like, I like worst. Attempt. Yeah, worst attempt. Yeah. This is yeah. going to be a little so rough for me because These I... These are great actors who have done great things, but they're just not good at doing this particular accent. I'm a little... I like it that you call Quentin Tarantino a great actor. This is... I'm a <laughs> well, little worried because I actually think doing accents is like a magic trick. I'm not good. Mandy, yes. Mandy will let you know because we've been friends for so long. I famously do not know when an accent is terrible. I'm always like, nailed it. And they're like, what? Uh, and I cannot do any accents. Whenever I try an accent, I end up inevitably just sounding like uh, an effeminate vampire. <laughs> Everything always goes to effeminate vampire. So I'm going to have trouble. So, Ray, I'm going to be leaning on you a little bit on this. Yeah. Make that face behind your beard. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go. All right. First, our first competition is John Voight's They Don't, huh? Uh, versus Steve Martin in the, the Pink Panther, his attempt at a French accent. And I, I understand that it's a comedy. He's trying to be funny, but. Sure. I mean, come on. I would vote for John Voight. Although I feel mm. like he's in on the joke, he's not that <laughs> in on the joke. <laughs> and I think he felt he like, thought, yeah, I he was like, this. oh, I got this in the bag. Yeah, what do you think, Ray? <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, Steve okay. Martin, I, I, I really do not like, I, I don't care for his, those Pink Panther movies, but uh, Anaconda, John Voight is just... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so our next competition is uh, Battle of the Cockneys. It's Don Cheadle versus Dick Van Dyke. What was Don Cheadle's film again? Oceans. Don Cheadle's was Oceans 11, and then you can also say 12 and 13. Okay. Bonnie Rubble, Trouble. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Bonnie Rubble, Trouble. Um, I thought his accent was really good as Cockney. Okay. Is that embarrassing? Well, that's it. So, so that means you're you're voting for Dick Van Dyke. I guess I'm voting for Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, I got to go Van Dyke as well. I mean, um, I didn't think Cheadle was terrible. I thought he was kind of. You know what I think? Oh, <laughs> oh, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and Dick Van Dyke has famously said, "I was on a soundstage full of people from England, and nobody said a word to right. me. Yeah. So I just assumed I was nailing it." Okay. All right. So Dick Van Dyke moves on to the next category. All right. So then we've got Harrison Ford uh, doing his attempt at a Russian accent in K-19, The Widowmaker, versus Leonardo DiCaprio uh, trying for South African in Blood Diamond. Do you know my favorite part about K-19, The Widowmaker? I love submarine movies. There's this one part where clearly some idiot in a testing, like a screen testing thing, got a hold of the producers because there's it's one this really long tracking shot of all these people running up and down uh, stairways and going in and out, and then they pass this like black box with a uh, handle, and it goes to people, and then as it, someone takes it downstairs, someone in the background goes toolbox. <laughs> just just yells you can look up you just yells that world toolbox like no one would ever no one just sees something going by and says what it is and clearly someone in a test screening was like yeah but what was in that box 
Doodle box. That's my favorite uh, thing. We have these cards. All of them say, "What was in the yeah, box?" We need to address exactly. that. Exactly. box. Um, People are wondering. Uh, I remember that uh, Blood Diamond, directed by a former boss of mine, Ed Zwick. Mm. I remember mm-hmm. that South African accent feeling a little rough at times. A little spongy. A little spongy. Yeah. So I'm going to go vote for that, but I'm pretty easy to take either way, Ray. I think this is the first one where we're parting ways. I think I got to go with Harrison Ford in K-19. I I mean, neither of them are really that good, but I really have a harder time with Harrison Ford's attempt in K-19. Clearly the only thing that I remember... Oh, yeah. Oh, will you break it? I didn't know that you would break it. I forgot. No, I was just I was going to just lay over. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Harrison Ford because I think the Harrison Ford was like I got this, and Leonardo was like trying so hard. Oh, I give him. I totally get that. Complacency is a factor. Yeah. Yep. Right. I think so. All right. So let's move on to the next the next our next round. Uh, Let's see. We got. Quentin Tarantino's attempt at an Australian accent in Django Unchained, which just, oh God, that just grinds the Wii to a halt, uh, versus James Vanderbeek in Varsity Blues. I don't want your life. I'm going to go with Tarantino, who, spoiler alert, I think might go the distance for me because clearly (laughs) he watched someone with an Australian accent say the word black as black. And he said, I got it because he uses the word black nine times in two scenes. And the fact that he's even in the movie brings me out. I just hate it. I think it's so I don't like it. So I'm going to vote for that. I mean, it's no destiny turns on the radio. But then what is (laughs) what is? Yeah. I remember the first time I watched Django Unchained. I'm watching the movie. I'm having a great time. I'm like totally invested in what's going on because I love Tarantino's movies. He is a terrific filmmaker. But I'm watching this movie. Then all of a sudden, on camera, Tarantino shows up and he starts talking and I'm taken completely out of this zone that I was in. I'm like, what the hell just happened? So it's like a, it's like an intermission. Right? <laughs> that, that's one way to put it. That is one way to put it, sir. Uh, so definitely with a stamp on it. Yeah. Tarantino Ooh. with yeah, a stamp I on agree. it. Might go the distance. Yeah, question. We'll see. Okay. All right. So we're in our, our, our next round. Okay. So we've got uh, Brad Pitt in the devil's own. I need that money. Tom uh, versus John Voight in Anaconda. I'm going to, I'm going to cut you off, Tommy. <laughs> Uh, I gotta go with Brad Pitt, and mm. the thing is, it's pretty egregious. I I like Brad Pitt, I really do. Mm-hmm. But oh, me too. It to me anyway. It seems like anytime he tries an accent that is not his own, I never buy it. Uh, like t- take for instance, Snatch. Oh, yeah. oh, I totally don't buy him in Snatch. Like it's a, I, I love that movie, and I yeah. do like his mm-hmm. character. But whenever he speaks, I really have, uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I will side with Ray only because I'm afraid he will hunt me down. He no. seems to feel very strongly about this. No, I, I will side with Ray for all of those reasons. Uh, I, I would pick that too. Hey, this may be the whole reason I built this list is just to have this on there because I think the accent is so terrible in that movie. Okay, uh, now we have uh, we're still we're still uh, in the uh, uh, let's see on the across the pond. So we have Dick Van Dyke versus Julie Roberts in Mary 
Riley. It's her attempt at an Irish accent, I believe. That's what they were trying for. Did you see Mary Riley, Ray? I didn't. I'm looking Mary up the... Riley. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't either. All I know is the, tra- oh, is really? the trailer whisper. Yeah, that's all I know. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> that's right. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, that was the big thing of the trailer. It was Julie Roberts' is Mary Riley. Mary Riley. I remember that in... <laughs> What was the one? So that I'll was, never that was during, tell. Like, the oh, do you remember right. that movie? Yeah. Don't say a word. Yes, I do. Yeah, I think that this was during the time of like Bram Stoker's Dracula and Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and this was um, Jekyll and Hyde. So it was John Malkovich with Jekyll and Hyde, but they tell the story from the perspective of his maid. <laughs> Which everyone had been clamoring for. Everyone was like, yeah, but what does the maid think? And the maid's like, he's just an insane person. <laughs> it's like the seat right on the player. Yeah. What if the maid is, get this, <laughs> Julia Roberts? <laughs> right. How much, how many zeros should we put on this check? Yeah, I'm going with her. <laughs> you looked up a, a, a I clip? Did. I did. You're right. going with Julia. I'm going with Ray. <laughs> That sounds good to me. Okay. Well, Julia Roberts advances. I find your Irish we po- accent. We got, a powerhouse, we got a powerhouse final four here. So okay. This be pretty good. Okay. So let's say then Brad Pitt in the Devil's Own versus Quentin Tarantino's Australian accent. Oof. Pitt versus Tarantino. Friends, but now pitted against each other. I'm, I'm willing very much to pit it against each other. <laughs> to hear your thoughts, Ray. Because I'm a human being, why would I preface that? I'm willing, but I would like to say I'm going to vote for Quentin Tarantino because he did more damage with so much less. He had the smallest amount of screen time, and yet threw a an Australian wrench in his own movie, and that is egregious. I, you're right. I have not seen any. I mean, I've seen people like give lengthy dissertations on why Jackie Brown is is his finest film, right? But never anyone did like, wait, wait. Let me just talk about what Quentin was doing there in yeah, that scene. Yeah, remember that conversation you had at the party when it was like, "What's your favorite Quentin Tarantino role?" That <laughs> never happened. It has never happened. <laughs> You know, I was going to say Brad Pitt, but you totally swayed me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, you make an excellent point. He does he t- does way more damage with way less time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So then uh, facing off again, Quentin, will be either Julia Roberts or Harrison Ford doing his Russian accent. He's the Russian submarine captain. You're, I feel you're maker. very good at accents, and I'm not joking, Kyle. <laughs> you're very good this at accents. This is the only time I get to do them. I get to break them out. I'm lucky I'm getting to talk about Iron Man 2, because I can do a ridiculous <laughs> Russian accent there, and no one judges me for this. <laughs> no one tells you they judge you. Um, no, no, it's, it's, it's after the past. Oh, God, already okay. recorded it, so they, uh, by the time I hear it. Ray, what are you I thinking? Think uh, you, oh, jeez. Oh, boy. See, I've only seen one of the movies. So I guess I'll vote. Wait, what does that mean? So I should vote for the one that I haven't seen? That doesn't make any sense. I have to vote for the movie that I've seen. So I'm voting for uh, K-19 Shadow Monster. I love the fact that somewhere out there, someone's listening to this and is going to, like, pay $3 to rent Mary Riley. Just because, like, Julia Roberts doing Irish accent? Yeah. Jekyll Hyde. Ooh, I can't wait to see that. Like, oh boy, are you in for it. Uh, I'm leaning toward Mary Riley. Okay. 
So we need a <laughs> so we need a tie break. KO. Okay. Julia versus Harrison. Uh yeah, I'm gonna have to go with uh Julia Roberts because uh it seems like she could do no wrong. Yeah. And then she did. Interesting. But I but I but I have to say this is not setting up for a big epic combination because <laughs> Julia Roberts versus Quentin Tarantino. Gee, who will win? Q T. I know this is going to go. Yeah. Q T. Yeah. She's a cutie, but he's Q T. And <laughs> winner of the worst accent in our elimination thing is, of course, Quentin Tarantino doing his. <laughs> Australian accent. And I'd like to bring up something else. He has like maybe it wasn't even Australian. Eight eight lines in the movie. So it's impossible that he didn't nail it. (laughs) No, he says like eight words in the movie. He says, shut up, black, and what? And okay, black. Like that's it. And then he blows up. And even the sound of him blowing up was stupid. All right. <laughs> we love you, Quentin, but uh, leave the love the movies. Love Stay the behind movies. the camera. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's uh, let's get into uh, the the big game. Uh, let's talk about continuity errors in big budget movies. That's right. This is our lists we've section, got our right? Lists. Okay. That's right. We've got our lists. Uh, our first trailer was Ray. So Ray, what is your first favorite? or most egregious continuity area. And what was the, it was big budget movies, right? Doesn't have to be huge budget, but like yeah, not these in, not an indie. Right. Like yeah, that was the idea. to give you the so feeling of a, why wouldn't, how could that have gotten through? Yeah. Got it. That, and that a lot of people had to, had to go past it. Got it. To say, uh, Oh, so I can't pick 30 nights. <laughs> 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 when I just walked by times that jogger run it, by? yeah exactly <laughs> okay it wasn't the jogger the same guy who made the telephone call at the beginning of the movie <laughs> it totally was <laughs> uh, okay okay so for my first choice uh, I'm going mm. with 2002 film that was a superhero origin story and imagine you get your new powers and you know you're trying them out in your bedroom you know and you're making all kinds of ruckus and next thing you know you have web fluid all over the place i'm talking you know spider-man sam raimi's first spider-man you know he realizes he can shoot webs from his wrists and so he's trying a little target practice, shooting things from across the room like pop cans and things. And right before his aunt comes to see what all the hubbub is about, he shoots a lamp, Mm. which then zips across the room and smashes off the wall. And then his aunt knocks on the door, Peter, is everything okay in there? And then cut to him standing up to answer the door and guess what's back in its original place unscathed oh really that lamp is it the lamp <laughs> i didn't know that and by the way you're wonderful at accents right <laughs> your role of his aunt was off the charts <laughs> i'm the quentin tarantino of the next reel <laughs> uh i didn't know that's a good one and uh and that is a steal. <gasps> oh! But odd, but oddly, not for that error. <laughs> I had it picked for a different error. Oh, really? My error was one of my favorite things to show people because they it goes by so fast they don't realize doing it. There is a scene after Spider-Man saves Mary Jane from the from the Green Goblin attack. He's swinging through the city with her, but their shot is actually is actually Kirsten Dunst hugging a mannequin. <laughs> 
they just move the camera. It's literally just a Spider-Man mannequin, and she's hanging on to it and looking at it, loving. Really? It's so great. It's like it's like a and, and her also her hair is blowing the wrong way for like how they're moving. But it's like a three second <laughs> shot, and like the wind. it is very clearly a Spider-Mannequin <laughs> that she is hugging. The mannequin superpower is it makes hair blow against the wind, and yes. and light and lamps reappear. Right. Yeah, yes. It regenerates lamps. That's right. Good one. All right. Good steal. To you, Tommy. To me. What do I want to start with? Here we go. Here's one of my favorite films. I'm famously, I don't like fake things jumping on fake things (laughs) unless they're dinosaurs. And this is one that I have known about for a long time in the original Jurassic Park. When the kids are in the kitchen and the Velosa jerks are coming into the kitchen, uh, they're like, he's coming inside. It cuts to a, I think, I know the reason why they kept it in is it's hard to see unless you're a fanatic like me. Uh, because they didn't do all CGI, they did a different uh, a mix of practical and CGI. The dinosaur that pokes his head in in the long shot in the background is obviously practical because you can see what I assume is a grip's hand enter in and like grab on and push his tail down because maybe it looked like he was about to fall over. It kind of looks like it's part of his tail, although tails don't have five fingers, and it is in the background. So I assume that that's why they were like, it's just not worth the money to cover it up because it would have been more expensive. But that's it. Uh, The original Jurassic Park, tails don't have arms. The end. You didn't see that fossil? (laughs) I did not. Yeah. They should have. They should have covered it up, like when they're explaining that all birds, all dinosaurs came from birds. Have some off-screen person be like, and sometimes they had a hand, and like, and this, you don't know who said it, and it's just like you're like, okay, because science, yeah. All right, so uh, so my first one was actually uh, I actually had to dig a little bit to find somebody else who had noticed this, but I thought it was very egregious to me. But maybe it's a movie that no one saw. So back in two thousand five, uh, Michael Bay was at the top of his game, uh, and so he put out a little film called The Island. I saw uh, that which is about uh, clones. So at one point in the middle of the movie, uh, a secondary character, or probably even tertiary character named Gandu Three Echo, has a very violent on-screen death. Uh, Brian Stepanek is the one who plays him, who's currently on Young Sheldon, uh, and he dies. And yet, uh, when they do the final shot of them opening the island and all the people crying out, hey, look, there he is. Like, he's standing there with all the people like, we got out. We're safe. We're fine. I'm like, what? You died. <laughs> like, you died on screen. Wait. And he's like, like, prominently behind some of the main actors, like, standing there like, oh, well, I'm free. We're out. Yeah, it's it's super how obvious. Is that like, I possible? Like, Wait, is it possible? Yeah, I'm not trying how is to. It possible? It, did they make more than you one can, clone no price, of everybody? Sure. It's possible, but that was never established that Got there was it. more than one of him. Okay. Oh, weird. Because like they like they they meet this guy. Like he's a secondary character. He's fun. He's silly, and then he violently dies on screen, and but still gets to do his curtain call. Hey, everybody, remember me? <laughs> weird. So. The Island from 2005. All right. Crazy. Seems like cocaine. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Okay, so... I mean, that's be as egregious as reusing a special effects shot in two different of your action movies. I mean, (laughs) do that. (laughs) All right, so my second choice is another superhero film, but it's the last superhero film that I have, so it's not like a Mm. running theme. Okay, Mm. so... 
I'm just going to tell you up front, it's Daredevil from 2003. Oh, Ben Affleck? Ben Affleck. Affleck. Ben Affleck. So when we first meet Matt Murdock, played by Ben Affleck, we get to see him at home and we get to see his routine as a blind man. And one of the things you see is that he is very heavily scarred. He's got scars all over his back uh, from just, we assume, all kinds of crime-fighting escapades and nothing pervy or anything. But... (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone was thinking that until you said it. But now it is all I can think about. (laughs) Okay. So later on in the movie, now, and this is... Strictly in the theatrical cut, which if you're going to watch this movie, I recommend the director's cut. But there is a love scene between him and Jennifer Garner, who plays Elektra, and they're getting intimate. And you see Ben Affleck's bare back. And there are almost no scars on his back now and so either it's a just a giant phoenix tattoo either it's a continuity error or matt murdoch just needed some sexual healing nice (laughs) nice nice i was thinking when you were like you see him in his apartment going through his day as a blind man i was afraid you'd be like and then he's reading the paper Wait a minute. What a blooper. <laughs> so that is good one. That is my second mm-hmm. choice. Tommy. Around right. that time they were okay with changing grossness for certain types of romantic scenes. I remember just for mm. instance like I'm not saying that it's not a blooper, but it is a continuity error. Like, um, this is a really weird example. It's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Austin Powers in the first movie, his mm. teeth get dramatically less gross right. as what's his what's her name find, starts to find him attractive. They get wor- they get more <laughs> well, it's like, and more it's like a Nanny McPhee situation. Yeah, no, or? they just get more and more normal when we're supposed to see him as not the most grotesque person in the entire world. Which is just maybe hmm. interesting just to me. Okay. My turn. Hold on, I have to turn my phone back on. Um I have three. Oh, here's a real short one. Oh, speaking of the aforementioned David Gordon Green. Hmm. Where does, this is the original film, not the David Gordon Green one, so I don't know why I just used that as a preface. The original (laughs) Halloween, directed by John Carpenter, who can tell me what town it takes place in? Haddonfield, Illinois. Exactly, where there are palm trees? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There are multiple shots of palm trees in beautiful downtown suburbia of Haddonfield, Illinois, and that isn't good. (laughs) That's all. (laughs) But good good on you for knowing that town. uh, Love it. Yeah. Oh yeah, say never, never come at Ray with a yeah. Hollywood, with a Halloween trivia. Um, mine is still staying in the superhero genre, uh, but uh, this is uh, switching over to the other side of the pond. This is uh, Dark Knight Rises. Oh, I think uh, we have. Is, if this involves a newspaper, we have our second steal. Oh my gosh, it does not involve the newspaper. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how these big films? Oh have wow, mine is now. Stuntmen are some of the hardest working people in Hollywood. I love stunt people, but every once in a while. 
anything that gets through. So there is a scene where Bane's forces are attacking Batman, and Batman and Catwoman are on the roof, and they're fighting. Uh, and there's a someone on the left who was just doing his blocking. He was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. He comes running in, and apparently whatever was supposed to hit him didn't hit him. But he still takes the hit. So he literally runs up to Batman, stops, and then throws himself on the ground without having anyone ever touched it. It was the sheer charisma of Christian Bale that knocked him on his butt. And it, it, it's, it's, when you see it, it's hilarious because he is, he is committed. Yeah. Like he is going to, I'm going to sell the heck out of this thing. And so if you watch it in, in the shot, he's on the far left hand side, um, like near the edge of the roof, and just runs in, stops, and then just throws himself backwards. That's not amazing. Not being anywhere near anyone else. And they kept it in the movie. Of like, course. How many people watched it and went, Nope, that's the shot we need because Christian Bale looks great. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, so so you had Dark Knight Rises too, but for the oh, the, what, the, there's a misspelling. Yeah, they're looking at these microfish of newspapers. It's he and what's the butler's name? Alfred. And Alfred. Alfred. And he's like blah 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 blah, and on it, and it's pretty clear. It's not like terribly in the background. There's the head. There's the headline: Police suspect. Cat burglar in jewel heist, but heist is spelled H I E S T. <laughs> That's not how you spell heist. And if you want to be a jerk and say maybe in Europe they spell it differently, I would say where's Gotham? Why is why is Gotham spelling color with a U? You weirdo. It's just a misspelling. All right. Oh, nice. All right, so back to you, Ray. All right, for my final one. Okay, so this is a a story continuity error that happens in a movie that's part of a series that kind of gets something wrong that happens earlier in the series, if that makes sense. And I saved this one for last because this is one of the most, if not the most, irksome continuity errors that I can think of, and it just drives me insane. Oh, we can see him going insane. He's being driven insane <laughs> yes, right now. Exactly, right now. The film... His beard is turning green. <laughs> I guess like you're hulking out. I don't know. Go ahead. The film is 2002's Star Trek Nemesis. Ooh, which one was that one? That was the final one that with the next with generation... Crew and it had Tom Hardy playing Shinzon, who was a clone of Captain Picard. And the continuity error actually includes Tom Hardy. Uh, so Tom Hardy, like I said, plays the clone of Captain Picard. And Picard, trying to reconcile all of this and thinking back to when he was younger, looks at a picture of himself when he was a cadet at Starfleet. The picture shows Tom Hardy bald. Like Picard is. <laughs> Only we know that when Picard was at the Academy, he had hair. <laughs> My God, he had hair. There are two, at least two separate episodes of The Next Generation where we see Picard as he was when he was younger, and he had a full head of hair. And someone oh. will say, well, you know, sometimes people get haircuts, and I'm like, no one gets an <laughs> idiot cut where they just buzz their head for the heck of it while they're in the middle of military train. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, uh, of GI Jane. It just—I know it's—it's it's like 
a, such a tiny, seemingly tiny thing, but it irks the crap out of me that they made young a picture of young Picard played by Tom Hardy bald. You know, it's interesting you bring up the Star Trek restoration because if we had been doing television, there's one of the most egregious ones for me is in a Star Trek Next Generation episode. I must know. Where uh, Data, one of Data's big things is he can't use contractions. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. He cannot use contractions. So Lore, his evil twin, takes over and like tries to ruin Data's life. And they finally get this whole thing and they defeat Lore. And then Data's there and they pick him up and they say, Data, Data, are you all right? And he says... I'm fine. Oh. <laughs> oh. I, it's funny. I almost uh. didn't catch it just when you said it. Even yeah. that's funny. Huh. Yeah. Um, mine is not mine in that it comes from a friend of mine who I asked uh, this question, knowing that this was coming up. I hope that's allowed. Uh, I could only... Well, <laughs> is that... Maybe that is he cheating. phoned a friend. It's yeah, okay. I phoned a friend, exactly. Um, <laughs> it was something that has always driven her insane. Part of it is because uh, she... Well, this is a side note, but she uh, knows ASL, American Sign Language. Mm. Oh, wait, that shouldn't be important. That's for, that's for deaf people. It doesn't matter. She has she knows about different differently abled people. And uh, this actually involves blindness. Is this that's Daredevil? Why the ASL. <laughs> no, but it, it reminded me when you said that. But no, uh, it always drove her insane. The movie is called The Book of Eli. Oh. And the Book oh, of Eli, yeah. uh, directed by, I believe, the Hughes brothers, or just one of the Hugheses? I don't remember if it's one of them, because I know they split up. But it stars Denzel Washington. We'll never know. We'll never know. It stars Denzel Washington <laughs> as a post-apocalyptic Washington who is traveling the... the <laughs> countryside and he's got a book that everyone wants and you don't know what it is and then it turns out that it's the bible it's the king james bible and you're like holy cow but then they steal the bible and they're like yeah i'm gonna use the bible and then it turns out it's in braille what he's been blind the whole time spoiler alert the thing that drove my friend insane is that the Bible in Braille would be 9,000 books long. He, he is walking around with the equivalent of like a penny saver. Like it's just this book that is about the size well, of Genesis. Right. It's this, one of the yeah. minor prophets that's like a page long. Yeah. He, he's walking around with the copyright information for the Bible. And instead, an actual Braille version of the Bible would be so insane he wouldn't be walking anywhere. And that always just drove... So I guess what is that? That's a a logic continuity problem or a mm. logic okay. something? I thought that was a new way of doing it. That's um, awesome. When you just sort of yeah, think like it. about it, it doesn't work at all because his book is looks like it's about 450 pages long and instead Braille, yikes. It goes and goes and goes. But thanks, Braille. <laughs> oh, a nice shout out to Braille at the end there. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sponsored by Braille. Yeah. Uh, boy, uh, that would have been a great one to end on. <laughs> I'm sorry that I have to be the one oh, to no. do this home because okay. yours was so much better than what I'm about to say. Because uh, my spider mannequin got stolen, uh, I'm going to have to use my backups, uh, which is in one of my favorite films of all times. 
Ocean's Eleven, the remake. Oh, uh, there is a, there is one of the uh, one of the things I find uh, adorable about that is that in every scene, Brad Pitt is eating. Oh, Rusty, yeah, uh, he's so always the whole eating. Movie, yeah, Rusty. Yeah, one yeah. Of his thing. He's always has something. He's always eating something. Actually, it's a Brad Pitt thing, but I think it's really funny when it's Rusty doing it. So, meaning he does uh, that in a lot of other movies too. And I haven't noticed it. What has he said? Why is it because he feels like Um, you usually never show that, and it makes his characters more human? Because you usually never see it. Because to keep his physique, he you know he has to stay in shape, so he's just constantly hungry. Oh, really? Oh, (laughs) I think your thing is actually probably more accurate. I just wonder because you usually don't see eating because it's a continuity nightmare. True. Yeah. Eating and smoking, and, and as we're about to see, because oh, uh, no. there's a continuity problem in this. Really? Because uh, there's a scene where where uh, Matt Damon is, has been following Tess around the whole time. So he comes. I'm switching back and forth between characters because I love this movie so much. Yeah. Um, and he's coming down, and so they're having a conversation, and he meets up with Rusty to basically give him the report. And so Rusty is holding a shrimp cocktail, like in a glass. Okay. And then they cut to the two shot, and it's a plate of of, of shrimp. And they cut back to the one shot, and it's back to a shrimp cocktail again. So, still shrimp, but it changes shape of what it is that he's holding in between the shots. Does that and make for it... Soderbergh, that's kind of huge, because he does not usually make those kind of no. mistakes, because he's so meticulous. I guess it makes it more understandable that it's still shrimp. But there's something sort true. of endearing about, like, uh, just shrimp it up. Like, this someone was just like, uh, I know it was shrimp, but what was it in? <laughs> <laughs> and so that, that's so a great those, one those are our list. i've never noticed yeah. that and i love those films oh, yeah. and did you me know too. that the can i show you a little tommy handsome factoid Please, yeah. Give me some trivia. This is uh, the second movie oceans 12 the more the most probably maligned of them was actually mm-hmm. originally was being developed as a script called honor among thieves for my for while i was working there for my former boss uh john woo to produce oh, wow. and then maybe direct and then uh Spiel or Soderbergh actually came in uh to the office and said hey we are looking for a script to sort of adapt and Ted Cannon is that who writes all those movies can we just pretend that it is something <laughs> like Ted Cannon <laughs> yeah, it's that, Ted. that really sounds Cannon. like a remember. fake name now that I'm saying that um doesn't it though guess what We'll never know. Works with Alan Smithy a lot. Um, yeah. uh, but they came in and he they bought the script from us. But Larev or the Fox, the guy that Frenchie McAcrobat was in it, like that was oh, all Ted Griffin. Ted, Sorry. Griffin. Ted Griffin. That makes more sense than Ted yeah. Cannon. Ted Lasso, Ted the Kennedy. writer of Oceans. Uh, but no, they ended up changing, the, adapting the entire thing. It was called Honor Among Thieves. They adapted the entire thing to the Oceans universe. Nice. But we did a ton of work on that and ended up getting no screen credit because instead certain people <laughs> whose name rhyme with foo just took a boatload of money. <laughs> and so <laughs> is that okay to say? I assume that's okay to say. He's not gonna hire me back. Okay. Cool. <laughs> exactly. The end. <laughs> Woo. Um, uh, did you guys have any uh, backups that uh, did not get pulled up? Oh, had- the helicopter shadow in the shining. Ooh, oh yeah! Okay. In the very the very beginning of The Shining, I'm sure that he'd be like, "No, it's because there's always someone watching you from above." And I'd be like, "Settle down, Kubrick." Uh, I, I like the fact that in that same shot, there clearly is no hedge maze. Right? Like, you're looking over the Overlook Hotel, there's not a hedge maze within a mile of that place, and yet they really? walk outside. It's like, "Ooh, hedge maze!" It's like, "Yeah." Where? <laughs> yep. Oh, because the hedge maze was in their mind. Kubrick, settle down. It was in their mind. Yeah. The 
<laughs> Do it again. I had, I had two. I had Casino Royale. Um, whenever he goes to put in the password when, at the beginning of the game, they have to choose a password for the bank or whatever. Uh, he, You learn at the end of the movie that his password was Vesper, her name. Mm. But whenever you actually see him punch in the password... It's nowhere close to being those letters. <laughs> Have you been able to figure out what it originally was? No, it, it's hard to tell because it's it's kind of like it's, it's, a, it's a number pad. It's a number pad, so it's kind of like old style texting where you have to eight 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 nine nine. Oh, got know. it. Okay, but. But yeah. yeah, and then I had the Godfather. Whenever Sonny gets gunned down and his car gets annihilated, uh, the opposing family that guns him down, they ride off and then cut back to the shot of him laying there, and all of a sudden his windshield is in pristine condition again. No! (laughs) Really? Uh Uh-huh. I wanted to add one more thing about Jurassic Park. Uh, Dinosaurs, it turns out, are extinct. What? And science, science, this was a real, it came out later that science, scientists don't know how to bring dinosaurs back. And that was all just like a real oversight. So we well, are, it just unravels the whole movie. It really does. It's a shame. Ruins That's a good one, experience. Ray. I had no idea. I'm actually due to watch yeah. the trilogy. Trilogy, come on. The first two Godfathers again uh, hey. soon. Hey, if you didn't hear, the Blu-ray, if it's not out already, will be out soon of the brand new cut like totally brand new rearranged cut of Godfather 3 that oh. Co- that Coppola did I think it's called Godfather Coda or something hmm. and in order to make his vision come true uh Andy Garcia and George Harrison are no longer in the movie that's great <laughs> and and he cuts Sofia Coppola as well his that's own a, daughter <laughs> that's fantastic his own daughter yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that's serious filmmaking is job. is the recut of Godfather 3 just Godfather two. <laughs> I believe it or not, I actually like three more than I like two. Really? Yeah, we'll talk about it sometime. I love it. That sounds great. Uh, I don't have any alternates, but one of my favorite continuity gags of all time uh, is in Black Dynamite. Uh, oh the, yeah, that Black Dynamite itself is a bad. It's supposed to be a bad movie, and so at one point they're having a fight scene, and one of the stuntmen hits the lead actor like actually like contacts with him and you see the like they might go what the and they yeah. cut and then they immediately the actor has been replaced in the matching shot like yeah <laughs> i just love it clearly that guy was fired they brought somebody else in but they kept the footage you know up to that point uh, i so loved it in, in black dynamite black dynamite when the that one actor would say the parentheticals where he would yes. he would say he would say like <laughs> crosses the room yeah cross or he would say like searingly oh really <laughs> that's not yeah cool oh that's a great one so that was our our game obviously we have another one we need to pick so let's see we got to figure out for next week oh, what right. we do our movie is part four of the aquatic killer series it's a classic little film called. Lake Placid. Oh, the crocodile. Uh, I, really like, I really like that one. That's right. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, so then we got a bunch of different options for that. Uh, let's see. We've got... Um, well, some of these are actually spoilers for the movie. So if you haven't seen Lake Placid, pause, go watch it, come back. Hey, welcome back. Uh, let's see. We've got Crazy Old Loner. We've all been there. Um, we have Strange Pets. 
Hmm. I like strange pets. Yeah, I that's agree. fun. That's, that's one, one of my favorites yeah. on the list. Movies set on or around lakes. <laughs> so I can't. I can't. I, I say I'm very trouble weighing in on this because I have to do these, so I'm. <laughs> I'm a little bit. Uh, oh, kind of I see. Weighing in on this. Yeah, we have uh, rich hunters. I think I went to school with a rich hunter. <laughs> um, uh, we have helicopter crashes. <laughs> Mm, I like. Oh, actually, this is. I like, cra- like crazy fun. old loner too. Yeah. That is fun because there's a lot of personality to that one. Yeah, let's. So I say crazy old loner, strange pets, and usually crazy old loners have strange pets. So there could be some real. <laughs> <True>. <laughs> uh, I like this one. Eye to eye encounters with the monster. Oh, like you really? It's always a good shot. Just staring at yeah. them. Get away from her, you be. Yeah. No, that wasn't that one. But yeah, yeah okay, yeah. got it. I like that one. I like those three. What do you think, Ray? So, so I like the first two. Great. Oh, <laughs> I'm just thinking about having to come up with options for them next week. Oh, okay. So, crazy old loner, strange pets. That's good. Uh, let's see what else do they have here as, as possibilities. Oh, we have I see TV what you're saying. Moving into film writing. Uh, eh, that feels a little yeah, more inside baseball to me. That's a little inside, nope. yeah. For real, too. if you wanted to go uh, with eye to eye contact, that's totally cool with me. I like eye to eye contact. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of. I think of a lot of good ones. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> all, right, so, uh, all right, so our three, <laughs> our three categories for next week that our uh, people can choose from are crazy old loner, strange pets, and. Eye to eye encounters with the monster. And by monster, do we uh, want to in enlargen it to say villain? No, villain no. is always eye to eye. Monsters, mm. monsters, yeah, monsters, monsters. You're right. Yeah. You know who never went to eye, uh, eye to eye with a monster? Daredevil. Oh no, wait. Daredevil. <laughs> Blind people still have eyes. <laughs> I'm an Eli, idiot. But go ahead. <laughs> they, Eli. Yeah. Eli also. That's the one. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but if you would like to vote in next week's challenge, you can do that. Uh, you can just head over to the Show Talk channel in the Next Real Discord community, and you can lend your vote to the chaos that is lip picking and movie sabotage each week. But you're wondering, how do you get access to the Show uh, Talk hey, channel? Hey, by the way, how do you uh, get access to the Show Talk That channel? is an excellent question, Tommy. All you have to do is head over to patreon.com slash nextreal and become a supporter of the Next Real Family Podcast and get access to show live streams as we record, like this one, early access to shows in your very own personal podcast feed, hand-tailored just for you, and access to the super-secret member channels on Next Real Discord. What are the super-secret member channels? I can't tell you if you're, unless you're a super-secret member. Well, thank you, gentlemen. This, is, uh, this has been a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I hope that uh, my forced asides weren't too much for you. <laughs> We went into some weird directions, and I love it. <laughs> no, this was always a, this is always a pleasure, and you are a wonderful host, Kyle. Thank you so much. Oh, thank what you. What he said. So, uh, so yes, thank you, Ray. Thank you, Tommy. Uh, we will see you guys uh, later on. Enough said. Farewell. Am I supposed to say something? <laughs> say, do, do you have a do you have a sign off line? I don't remember. <laughs> uh, no, I guess um, next real. No, let me try again. <laughs> No, let me try again. <laughs> I want to say, um, uh, <laughs> oh, you know what mine is? I'm going to mix together two. I see dead people, Dr. Jones. Is that good to mix together two film lines? <laughs> it's, like, it's like a mashup, but stupider. <laughs>
Prince, put it on the end of the show. Andy, according to my friend, Internet, this is what Letterboxd is. Letterboxd is a global social network for grassroots film discussion and discovery. Use it as a diary to record and share your opinion about films as you watch them, or just keep track of films you've seen in the past. Showcase your favorites on your profile page. That is a lot. You bet it is. That's why I want you to tell our fair listeners just one thing you do with Letterboxd that has changed the way you watch movies. Let them have it. Okay, are you ready for this? So ready. I love lists. As of today, I have 246 lists in my account. I use them to track the movies I watch, organize them in all sorts of different ways. I track them by hand. I clone lists from other people. I use them to plan what I'm going to be watching. All sorts of things. I just, I love creating lists. It's a fantastic tool. Sexiest animated characters. Andy, what is this? We love Letterboxd. And if you're a movie lover, we are sure you will too. And when you upgrade from the free account, you will remove ads and support the great Kiwi team building this amazing service. Just use the discount code NEXTREEL or visit thenextreel.com slash letterboxd to get 20% off your pro or patron membership. And it works for renewals as well. 